There's a lot of messaging out there. A lot of memes that appear to be around self-awareness, but they seem to be directing people to specific trains of thought. You should do this, or you shouldn't have to tolerate that. Is this type of thing self-awareness, or is this someone's opinion of what your life should look like? There's that word, should. It's everywhere. It won't be denied its appearance. What is should, anyway? At the end of the day, should is what someone else wants and gets. And because they get what they want, others will want it too, and they are deserving of it. Let's reverse engineer the mechanism that's creating this whole reality. Let's fall in love with questions that lead us past the wants of others and to our own reasons for our wanting. Let's explore to get visibility into what reality we've created for ourselves versus what we've co-opted from society. This is Leo Hart, and you are listening to Belief Unboxed. I'm in my car, driving home after a so-so day at work. I had been thinking about my sons earlier in the day. You see, I've chosen to be pretty grumpy with them lately as a means to motivate them into doing the things I would prefer for them to do like cleaning up after themselves, eating all of their meals, taking their showers, you know, that everyday type of stuff. My main challenge is with my youngest, who's seven. If I'm judging his behavior, he acts out to get attention. I would say he likes even the negative attention, but that's difficult to fully believe in the moment when it's all happening. When I got home today, the kitchen was disheveled. That would be judging it generously. (laughs) My wife was at a dental appointment, and my mother-in-law was juggling the two boys and our baby girl. Be it that they commute nearly an hour to and back from their school every weekday, when they enter the house at the end of the commute, they kind of just plant all of their gear in the first open spot that they can see. Backpacks, dirty laundry, lunch boxes, water bottles. You get the idea. The kitchen table seems to always look like a crafting class that was interrupted by a fire alarm, and today was no different, but the boys were sitting at the table, snacking on some buttered toast and making small clay animal sculptures, and I moved along upstairs to change and get into some comfortable clothes for the evening. I noticed things started to get loud downstairs. Lots of banging and some yelling by my mother-in-law. I rolled my eyes to myself and began to make my way downstairs. As I entered the kitchen, it was hard to tell what was going on exactly. My mother-in-law was holding the baby and eating something while the two boys were in the kitchen with brooms, but they didn't look like they were there to clean anything. Then I caught my youngest boy throwing a large ball of clay and trying to make it stick to some of the upper kitchen cabinets by heaving it at the cabinet doors from about six feet away. It made a loud thud and then hit the ground. I was amazed because he had seen me in the room, so he did this right in front of me. I'd like to say at that point that I had an out-of-body experience, but honestly, I had made the choice to utilize my unhappiness as a motivator for him to realize the error of his ways. And because of that choice, I laid into him. And it really doesn't matter what I said because he wasn't hearing any of it. He was just locked in on my change in demeanor and didn't know how to answer my questions or even how to try to get out of the trouble he was in. The funny thing was that I saw this as it was all happening. 
I was self-aware of how I was reacting, and I even knew in that moment that I really didn't care that he was throwing a ball of clay at the cabinet. I could tell in that moment that I had made the decision to do this with him before I'd even gotten into the house from work that night. This wasn't about him at all. Sure, I'd prefer he not throw large balls of clay anywhere inside of the house, but he wasn't throwing them hard and they weren't doing anything once they made impact. But there I was, in that moment, aware of the nonsense of it all. But I wanted to yell harder to see if I could see it even clearer. Sure, that sounds bad, but this attitude I do with him has been ongoing. It isn't just a flash-in-the-pan occurrence. So I had eventually sent him to his room to think about the fact that he knows I would never give him permission to throw clay at cabinets. He could then soul-search for the why as to why he was doing it. Once I let him out of his bedroom prison, he came down to find that I had his older brother clean up a lot of the mess that was made in the kitchen. And in that cleanup, his brother had moved his knitting project off of the floor and stored it away in a cabinet. As he went back to work with the materials, he realized some knots had been made that would take a long while to work out. He then proceeded into a hissy fit with snot flying and heavy crying. I will also note as, as a uh, side item that uh, you might find it strange, these boys in knitting. Uh, my boys attend a Waldorf school. Knitting is a big part of uh, what that school teaches for handwork. So anyway, just interesting side note that uh, you might have wanted. So in that moment, I sensed my inner asshole wanting to resurface for a second round. I thought about subduing that tendency, but I was hearing the alarm bells go off as my agitation barometer kept increasing as his crying grew louder. So I dove in once again to explain that the knitting thread knots were a direct result of him not putting away his things and then moving on to an activity like clay launching. Had he been responsible and put away the knitting materials before moving on to his clay sporting event, or just not wasting the clay by smashing all the different colors together into large balls, then none of this would have happened to his knitting. It seemed like a logical argument at the time, but even then my inner voice was looking back at me saying, he ain't getting it, but you really need to understand why you do this with him. Eventually, I went out to mow the grass, and he came out to help after detangling the knots in his knitwork. And as he walked with me, pushing the mower, I was still getting to know more about why I would act this way with him. In fact, I initially didn't want him to help me with the lawn. Actually, I don't like help in general. There, I said it. I had then seen my reflection, and it buzzed in my head as we made the turns with the mower. My younger son asked for a lot of help all of the time. I don't like to help others, and I don't like others helping me. I'll caveat that by saying I do like to help people, but it tends to be the type of help I like to provide as opposed to what they may want. But with my son, I just want to get things done, and I can get them done faster on my own. At least that's the belief. I also want him to try harder to do things on his own because I have this belief that he frustrates too easily and gives up quickly. Fast forward to 9 p.m. at night. A major thunderstorm with potential tornadic activity is coming through our city. We don't really know if it's going to get bad enough to where we have to go into the basement, but it's on my son's mind. He asks me how we'll know to go into the basement, and I tell him that the tornado sirens will go off. 
He then asked me to read him and his brother a book before bed. Just as I'm turning to the last page of the story, the tornado siren starts to wail. I look at him and say, that's it. He immediately stands up and waits for me to get up beside him. He then takes my hand and says, let's go, Dad. The touch of his hand was gentle, but it was firm at the same time. I could feel that he knew I was his protector, and it took me aback just a bit. We made our way down to the basement, and we all sat on the floor in the boys' playroom. I brought up the local news station on a live video stream on my iPhone, and he curled up in my lap and pulled my arms around him. Then the rest of my family sat around us and began playing Jenga. I looked around and snapped a pic with my phone. It was strange because there was some tension with the storm, but having us all in that little room where my son was clutching me tightly while the others tried to keep the Jenga pieces out of the baby's mouth was quite a happy scene. There were no shoulds in that room as to what anyone should be doing or should be showing up as. We were all just surviving together. So I thought to myself, why is it any different outside of this room? I determined then that it was just a belief I'd made up that it was any different outside. We are always surviving the best we can. The storm never passes, and that can be a good thing. At least I'm starting to believe it is. Hope you've enjoyed Belief Unboxed, and if so, please rate us wherever you are getting your podcast from so others know that it's worth a listen for them as well, too. Thank you. Bye.